This is God Network News, episode 19. Welcome, GNN fans, to another episode of God Network News, the podcast that tells you what God's doing around the world, not what CNN tells you, but what GNN tells you is going on in the world. If you're tired of listening to all of that crisis network news and you want to hear what God's doing, well, give us a listen. We've got a great episode for you today with uh, Fred Markert, another great testimony and story from Fred Markert about what God's doing around the world. I want to start by apologizing for not doing a podcast for a while. I was in Hawaii with my wife, uh, yes, doing some ministry, and also when I got back, I went in for dental surgery and have four wisdom teeth removed, and I've been uh, writhing in pain and anguish ever since then for a while. So thank you for those that have been praying for us to get back on the air. I'm back and rocking and rolling for Jesus, and uh, so pretty soon I'll be feeling 100% and we'll get right back into it. But we've got an exciting program for you today. And so uh, snuggle right up to Fred Margaret as he shares again with us what God's doing around the world. Well, you guys, let's talk about some serious stuff about God. You know, God's really cool. God really rocks. So do you guys. And together, God and you, we're going to see powerful things released onto the planet. You know, I believe in your generation. Uh, I want to talk about a scripture, Isaiah 9.6. I love this scripture. I never apologize for preaching about this scripture. I think it's one of the most important in the whole Bible. It tells us something critical about God. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Man, I am totally jazzed to serve that God. You guys, we have the only God in the universe who is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. No other religion has such a, such a wonderful, lovely, delightful, winsome God as our God. In fact, the whole world needs to know this God. They don't know God, God, a God who is a mighty God. The Muslims don't know a God who's an everlasting father. They don't understand God as father. You know, it could go on and on. Our, the whole world needs to know our God. And this scripture not only reveals some of the nature of God, uh, it tells us some of God's purpose. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You guys, this is the eternal purpose and nature of God. He wants to increase his kingdom. It will always increase. It will never decrease. It will never level out. Our God is a God who can increase his kingdom throughout eternity. It says there will never be an end to the increase of his kingdom. So this is great news, you guys. Not only is our God a wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, mighty God, his kingdom that we are a part of is always increasing and will always increase through his great power. 
That tells us something about God, you guys. It tells us our God's an expansive God. He's always thinking of expansion, of increase. He's never a God of the status quo. I just like things in this box, you know. He's a God who wants to expand his kingdom eternally in your hearts and in your life. He wants to expand his kingdom in your families, in your church, in your city, in our country, in the whole world, and in the whole universe. Our God's always thinking expansion. And so if we are created in the image of God and we're followers of this great God, we should be expansive in our thinking too. How do we extend the kingdom of God uh, beyond the limits of where it is right now? We need to be expansive like our God is expansive. And you know what? There's some great news. Not only does he promise he's going to increase his kingdom throughout all eternity, so we have a promise that we can't fail because our God's doing it, but you know what? The second promise that I love in this scripture uh, is that it's the zeal of the Lord Almighty that will accomplish this never-ending increase. I would get nervous if my zeal was the zeal that had to accomplish that, or my good works, or uh, my effort, you know, because I'm a total bozo human being, just like most of you. We may have some that are totally perfected, wholly sanctified, uh, but most of us, you know, are still sinners saved by grace, and we're bozos. And if you're like me, your life goes up and down in cycles. Like some days, like I wake up and I go, wow, it's so cool to be a Christian. I want to live holy today for God. Other days I wake up and go, sin. I want sin. Give me sin. I declare a flesh day. Sin, 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 sin. <laughs> you know, flesh day. 364 days of the year I'll serve God. One day a year, flesh day. Come on, sin. Bring it on. Some days I wake up, can't wait to get to prayer meetings. Other days I wake up and it's like, oh man, do I have to talk to God? I don't want to talk to him. Who wants to pray? You know? <laughs> Some days I wake up and I can't wait to read the word. Other days I wake up and it's like, oh man, numbers. What the heck is that in here for? Do I need to know this? Am I going to be tested? Do I have to read this? <laughs> Some days I wake up, it's like, oh, let's take India for Jesus. And I can't wait to go. Put it, you know. Other days I wake up and it's like, oh, bummer morning. Oh, God, demonic. God did not make mourning. I know he's a merciful God. He would never do this. And I go, if they want to go to hell in India, just let them go. Bring me breakfast in bed, you know. Don't you have days like that? Some days you're up, some days you're down. And if it was our zeal or our work that was going to increase the kingdom of God, God would have a big problem. But the good news is it's the zeal of the Lord Almighty in total bozos like us. It's his zeal, his power, his work through normal people like you and I that extend his kingdom around the world. That's good news. Because if he can't use us, he's in big trouble because he doesn't have anyone else. <laughs> so no matter what you're going through in your life, God wants to use you because he doesn't have anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> now you guys, Jesus came to do two things. <laughs> Jesus came to do two things. And if he's our example, 
we're going to be all about doing these two things too. It tells us in 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So we should be always looking and praying and seeking God about how we can destroy the works of the devil everywhere that we find ourselves in obedience to God. The second thing Jesus came to do, it says in Luke 19, 10, is that he came to seek and save that which is lost. So we have a twofold purpose as people who are created in the image of God and are followers of Jesus Christ. And that is to destroy the works of the devil and to seek and save that which is lost. Now listen, I speak in big churches all around the world and to Christians all around the world. And you know what I've discovered? Lots of Christians around the world are totally bored. And you know why they're bored? They're not seeking to destroy the devil's work and to seek and save those that are lost. So I'm on a campaign to destroy, or at least uh, help wipe out, boring Christianity. <laughs> what we need to do is get the whole church engaged in destroying the works of the devil and seeking and saving that which is lost, and we're going to have a whole bunch of white-hot, holy jazz for Jesus, hot-jumping Christians, because it is a blast to participate with God, expanding his kingdom, destroying the devil's work, and seeking and saving what is lost, okay? And this theme, you guys, this twofold theme, I want you to see this, it's everywhere in the Bible. This twofold message, destroy the works of the devil, seek and save that which is lost. Look what God said to Jeremiah, also says to us. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow. See, destroy the works of the devil, but also to build and to plant. Seek and save that which is lost. It's a common theme throughout the whole Bible. Zephaniah 2.11, listen to this. The Lord will be awesome when he destroys all the gods of the land. I'm here to tell you our God will destroy all the gods of the land. He won't destroy the people. He loves people. Mercy on people. But destruction upon the structures of idolatry. And then it says, the nations on every shore will worship him, everyone in its own land. And this shows the twofold theme of God. Destroy the works of the devil, seek and save that which is lost. And you guys, this is not just a prophecy of what God will do. This is God's vision statement for his church, his mission statement for your generation. I want to, he wants you guys to go to the ends of the earth, destroying the works of the devil and seeking and saving that which is lost. I think you have opportunities more than any other generation to bring his gospel of the kingdom to every corner of the, of, of the earth. Here's another scripture that tells the same thing up there. It's, it's a prophecy in Daniel. It says, the rock... That's Jesus that struck the statue, and the statue represented the ungodly kingdoms in the world. It was made out of different, you know, different metals and clay and everything else. So it says the rock, Jesus, struck these kingdoms, these ungodly kingdoms, and they became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. So that's the destruction of the works of the devil. But look at this. It says it will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever because God seeks and saves that which is lost. He builds his kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. It's always expanding. He's a rocking God. In fact, I love this first part of the scripture because you know what it says? It has this picture of a rock that God uses to strike against the ungodly kingdoms. And what happens to that little rock? 
it becomes a huge mountain and fills the whole earth. And brothers and sisters, when I understood this, it gave me hope. Because so many times I felt like my life is just one tiny little rock. And what could I ever do to change the world? But I'm here to tell you part of the nature of our God is he takes little rocks and he turns them into huge mountains that fill the whole earth. And he wants to do that in your life. He wants to plant a little rock of vision in your life that he can turn into a huge mountain that will impact the earth. He wants to take your little rock of a life and turn it into a big mountain that will fill the whole earth. Brothers and sisters, this is who our God is. He takes little rocks and turns them into big mountains. Don't you ever dare feel that I am just a normal little person. What could I do for God? Let me tell you. God knows how to turn your life and ministry into a big mountain that fills the whole earth. If you believe in God, trust God, obey God, follow God. It rocks. Let me show you just an example of this. You guys, Vaughn was talking about Afghanistan the other day. Um, uh, back there, what it was, it 2002 in January... Uh, some of the leaders in YWAM asked Vaughn and I to go into Afghanistan right after the fall of the Taliban and kind of negotiate a way for lots of YWAMers to get in in the future. And I'll never forget, we flew in about two weeks after the fall of the Taliban. And uh, one of the YWAMers who was there already, we've had YWAMers in Afghanistan for 35 years before this, you guys. One, he picked us up at the airport. And as we're driving, he brought us through this section of town in Kabul. Um, it's called Carte Say. It's total destruction. And here's what I want you to, to see, a living picture of that scripture I just gave you, that God destroys ungodly kingdoms and he builds his church and it endures forever. This is a part of, of, Afghanistan, of Kabul called Carte Say, about 60% of the city totally destroyed through 23 years of civil war. Afghans committing atrocities against other Afghans produced this. This was their king's palace. They totally destroyed it in their internal civil war. Here's like a common neighborhood. And people would actually live in houses like this. You know, Carte say, as far as the eye could see, for miles in every direction, it's like that. Suddenly, we turned this street and there was a house totally untouched. No bullet holes, no rocket holes, nothing, where everything else for miles, as far as I could see, total destruction. And the Wyoming said, I've got the key, let's go in. And we went into the house, you guys, and I realized what this house was. It was the house of someone that I knew, a wonderful man of God named Jay Christie Wilson, who was the first missionary to go to Afghanistan in our lifetime, went back in the 50s, lots of Wyoming and others followed him in, like Floyd McClung, who spoke here, got his start there, and this was Christie's house in Afghanistan, uh, where he would have church services, you know, uh, for other missionaries that had come in, and where they did the work of evangelizing all throughout Afghanistan, and I was just amazed because there was not one bullet hole, nothing had touched this house, and yet for miles in every direction, total destruction, just like all of this. You see that, that's all you see. And I started, I, my heart just filled up. I said, it's true, the scripture in Daniel, that this rock will destroy all the ungodly kingdoms. That the un, God is attacking the ungodly kingdoms in Afghanistan to, in order to plant his merciful, compassionate, tender, loving kingdom in Afghanistan. And it's true, his kingdom will endure 
forever. This house was untouched. God preserved it. In the midst of all that war, we walked out to the street. There's an iron cross that Christy had put there over 50 years ago, and it meant the same thing then that it meant to the first century church. Is here's where Christians live. And the neighbors were there. The neighbors came over, this little girl and some other neighbors, and we asked through the interpreter, what's this fish? They said, we don't know. No, crazy man. We don't have fish in Kabul, but he put a fish on the house. And I was like, ooh, God, your kingdom endures forever. They have no clue what this means. And it was a living testimony to the power of God. In fact, uh, uh, our interpreter had asked, you know, why is it that this house isn't exploded? Why no bullet holes? Why no rocket holes? He said, oh, a holy man of God lived in this house. And his God preserved this house. So it was untouched in the Civil War. You guys, our God knows how to destroy the works of the devil and build a kingdom that will endure forever. He knows how to protect you out in the nations just like he protected this house. You don't have to fear anything when you go to the nations in the hands of a living God. And let me tell you what's happened in Afghanistan, you guys. It's amazing how God is growing his kingdom. Before 2002, I don't care what you think about the war. I don't care what you think about politics. I don't care what you think is Bush good, Bush bad, the war in Iraq good, war in Iraq bad, war in Afghanistan good or bad. I don't care. I look past all of those things and I evaluate what's happening in the world in regards to the kingdom of God and what's happening for the kingdom of God. As his people, I think that should be our main focus. And look what's happening in Afghanistan. Before 2002, most of the missionary work in the country was being done in Kabul. Today, there are missionaries in every single sector of the country for the first time in history, you guys. First time in history. In Afghanistan, about, they estimate, 75 Christians before the war. By mid-2004, the estimate was 8,000 Christians in Afghanistan. And by mid-2005, the people on the field are saying it's much, much higher than that. They said, you guys, you can't believe what's happening. You know, it's hard to count. There are hidden believers and all sorts of things, but much, much higher than that. Our God is working in the world, and even in places like Afghanistan. There are now Afghan believers in every single one of the 34 provinces of Afghanistan. We could never say that ever in all of history, you guys. And this is a testimony to our great God who's expansive in his thinking and is expanding his kingdom to the ends of the earth. I'll tell you one story. A field, uh, a missionary came from the field, not a YWAMer. He was telling me this story in this region of Afghanistan. It's called Bamiyan. Some of you may have seen those statues, the Hindu, uh, I mean the Buddhist statues that the Taliban blew up. You know, those big ones carved into the mountain. It's in this region of Afghanistan. And there were, he, he told me uh, the story of what had just happened maybe six months ago. And the missionaries in Afghanistan kind of work clandestinely underground. You can't just proclaim, I'm a missionary. So they're doing many kinds of uh, ministries and works there, many kinds of work, you know, that kind of give them uh, reason to be in the country, you know, and to help the people and relate to the people so they can preach the gospel. But the missionaries have to be careful because often the government or maybe some Taliban or Al-Qaeda people will try to uh, kind of smoke out the missionaries, find out who's 
the missionaries so they could target them to get deported or to hurt them or kill them or whatever. So the missionaries are careful. And this one missionary, one morning, he wakes up and there's a knock on his door and there's an Afghan tribal dude said, you know, I'm here. He said, I've come to your house because I need a Bible. And I know that you can give me a Bible. Would you give me a Bible? Well, the missionary was kind of, you know, cautious. And he said, why would you think that I would have a Bible to give to you? You know, I can't give you a Bible. You know, go away. And the man was really discouraged. You know, he came back the next day. He's knocking on the door. I need a Bible. You know, I've become a Christian. You know, give me a Bible. And the missionary said, how, how do you know to come to me? He said, well, and how did you get saved? You know, if you're a Christian. And he said, I was sleeping the other night and Jesus appeared in my dream. And Jesus told me he's the true God. I should follow him. I became a follower of Jesus. Then he told me to come to your house. You would give me a Bible. So the missionary, you know, after this went on for a couple of days, said, wow, this dude is really saved, gives him a Bible. And he's like, oh, this is so cool. God, keep going. The next day, there's a knock on the door. And there's the guy. He said, I need three more Bibles. He said, three more people in my village had dreams of Jesus. They're now followers of Jesus, too. Give me three more Bibles. The next day, knock on the door. I need seven more Bibles. <laughs> seven more people in my village had dreams of Jesus. You know, the missionary gave him the Bibles. You guys, within two weeks in that that region, 200 Afghans had visions of the Lord Jesus, got radically saved, and now there's a strong underground church in this part of Afghanistan. You guys, this is the kind of thing our great God's doing. It makes it a blast to be alive and serving him in this season in history. And you want to do this. <laughs> you don't want to be a bored Christian. <laughs> you want to be a Christian who's out in the nations helping God establish his kingdom of compassion, mercy, and love. Look at Psalm 87.4. It's talking about Iraq. It says, I will record Rahab. She was an Iraqi. And Babylon, which is in Iraq, amongst those who acknowledge me. Let me tell you what God's doing in Iraq. You hear all the bad news. Let me tell you some good news in Iraq. In Iraq, before the war happened, and again, I'm not saying whether the war is good or bad. All I'm saying is that I evaluate what's happening in the world in terms of the kingdom of God. And here's what's happening in the kingdom of God. Only about 3,000 evangelical Christians in the whole country before March of 2003. By mid-2004, estimates are about 15,000. By mid-2005, estimates are 25,000 missionaries, I mean Christians in Iraq. The church has multiplied seven times in Iraq in just the past couple of years. That's the good news coming out of Iraq. In fact, in March 2003, only six evangelical churches in the country. By mid-2004, 11 in Baghdad alone. Mid-2005, 25 in Baghdad alone. God is rocking in Iraq. You know, and I believe some of you may find your destiny there at some point in the future. Oh, I already told you that. That is cool. Look at this scripture. Everywhere in the Bible we get the same message, you guys, that our God intends to extend his kingdom to every single corner of the earth. In Revelation 7-9, it says, John says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Great multitude that no one can count. Our God is not talking about a small victory on the earth. We are going to see a great multitude that no one could count saved. From every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people, our great God is big enough to effect a great victory on the earth through bozos like us, his church. 
and it says none, there's none left out. What's left out of this? Nothing. Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people will be standing before the throne. We know they're going to get the gospel, get saved. Let's talk about the Pongya province in Thailand. This is where the tsunami hit last year really hard. Some of you have been down there. In uh, the most unreached province of Thailand, you guys, before the tsunami. And then there are people like this. John Monsoor, he's in the house. John, where are you? He's back there somewhere. Uh, John and other teams of YWAMers went to this area. Here's just two brothers that they met. Rinko and Monty met these two guys, had barely escaped the tsunami with their lives. And they started to, to befriend them and started to share about Jesus. And God started to touch the hearts of Rinko and Monty. Um, and John's here. You should, you should see John. Where are you, John? Stand up, John. Where, the, where are you? Where, I can't see you. You need to go talk to John and learn about how God can use you out there. They're fellowshipping, talking to Rinko and Monty. Monty at one point said, you know, I want to learn more about Jesus. Is there a church you can bring me to? And you guys, our YWAMers with a broken heart had to say, we're sorry to tell you there are no churches in this area. And so they said, but we can turn our hotel room into a church. And they start to have church services in the hotel room. And one of the guys on the team said, Monty was like, he said, oh, this is so cool. He said, I felt the spiritual vibrations within 10 minutes of you guys worshiping. He said, normally I have to meditate for hours before I feel the vibrations. He said, your God's a big God. And you know what? Through a process of time of befriending and helping and spending time with them, Monty and Rinko got radically saved, loved the Lord Jesus, and uh, one of the YWAMers said, what is it that first touched your heart? And here's what Monty said. He said, you guys, I've been watching. He said, I could tell there was something different about you people who came. He said, the Buddhists came to help the Buddhists. The Muslims came to help the Muslims. The Thais came to help the Thais. But you Christians came to help everyone. And brothers and sisters, that's our God who loves everyone regardless of religion, regardless of whether they're saved or not, following him or not. He causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. He cares about everyone. And when we go to the nations in the love of God, we'll see great, uh, great things happen just like this. Here's Monty, saved and happy. <laughs> and you know what he told him? He said, you know... I can tell you're part of a really cool club. I want to join your club. <laughs> and so Monty's praying about going to a DTS in India and becoming a YWAMer to help us, you know, take the world for Jesus. Okay, you know what happened in that region? Things like this. Churches and short-term teams from all over the United States and all over the world went there to help build churches uh, for all the new believers. Here's just one team from the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. We took a bunch of Air Force cadets and some churches from Maine and other places. Uh, Kate, uh, yeah, Kate, are you here from New Life in Maine? Back there, her church. This is part of her church. Out there uh, building a church, you know, uh, for all these, some of these new believers in this part of Thailand. Here was an Air Force cadet putting a Bible, you know, right in the cornerstone of this church, you know, into the foundations. We should turn to that guy and speak in tongues. I said, well, 
you know, why lemmers? We're taught to hear the voice of God and obey, even when it doesn't make total sense. Sense. So Bill said, I'm ready, and he turns to the guy and speaks in tongues. The guy looks at us, smiles, and speaks back to us in his language. I said, oh, this is cool. I want in on this. So I spoke to him in tongues. He speaks back to me in his language. Language For 15 minutes, we carried on a conversation. We'd speak in tongues. He would speak to us in his language. And here's a picture of us, him talking. I wish we had video. Uh, I didn't have a video camera back then. It would have been a blast to see it. Well, he ran away, brought back his young son who could speak English. And his son said, oh, my father was really excited. He said, there's a big miracle at the water place. There are Americans who can speak our language fluently. Who has ever heard of such a thing? It's a big miracle. And I was like, this is so cool, man. I love serving God. See, because we had been at the fire temple, suppressing the work of the devil right at the root of demonic influence. And when you do that, God's kingdom starts to rise up. So I said, you know, that was so cool that we were talking to your dad. I said, but uh, what exactly did we tell him anyway? Because <laughs> we had no clue. And I brought out my notepad. I have my notepad. I use it sometimes to pray for this country. And he said, oh, you told my dad that you love us. You're here to serve us. And I go, we love them. We're here to serve them. <laughs> what else? Oh, you're going to bring agricultural teams. We will have YWAM agricultural teams. What else? Oh, you're going to have medical teams. We will have medical teams. What else do we say? Oh, you're going to have an office on the main street of town. We'll have an office on the main street of town. Do you say anything else? Yes, you're going to start a university. YWAM University of the Nations. You guys, our strategy for this country came from speaking in tongues at a water place. God loves to use normal people just like us. He gives us strategy for nations, you guys. It rocks. And you guys, all of those things have happened and are happening to one degree or another in this country 14 years later. Our God is able to fulfill his world. Word. Now, where do you learn how to do this? There is no course in, at Harvard in how to speak in tongues at a water place and get strategy for nations. That, tongue, that course does not exist at Princeton, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge. The place you learn this is in DTS, hearing the voice of God, obeying God radically, and God will deliver strategy to take nations into your hands so that he can use you to implement his uh, kingdom everywhere on the earth. It rocks. Let me tell you, 14 years later, I'll just show you a picture. Here was our first underground DTS of Muslim converts from that country. Not only was all this happening, God doing a great work. Some of our Muslim converts are now YWAMers and working in many other uh, Muslim countries all around there. It rocks, you guys. You want to do this. Let me show you another route. See, when you go to the roots, God does stuff. Turkmenistan. Uh, this is a really intense country, you guys. In fact, it's kind of a wonky country. The next, you guys, this is so cool. The next ruins that our guide took us to. It's called Margush. We go out here. It's a big king's palace. They've been excavating it. We go to this, the king's throne room, and I saw something there that I'd never seen in any other uh, palace in any of this region of the world. There were actually four fire temples, one at each corner. And I said, this is so weird. I've never seen four fire temples. You know, what do you guys know about this? And there was an archaeologist who had been working this dig for 30 years. That's her in the picture. She said, we have just discovered 
that this fire temple is proto-Zoroastrianism. This is the very first fire temple ever. This is where Zoroastrianism started and from here spread throughout Iran and Central Asia. And when she said that, you guys, I was just in my heart. I was like, Woohoo, man, God rocks. I can't, God, you are so amazing. I've been praying for 15 years to find the root of demonic darkness in this whole region, which is this religion of Zoroastrianism. God, thank you for bringing us here. And we prayed, and we're saying, God, we, we're claiming this country. And God, you guys, God did, God started opening the doors. We have YWAM, we have a YWAM team that seriously, I can't say much for security reason, but it looks like we're going to be able to get a YWAM team in there permanently very soon because our God knows how to suppress the work of the devil and plant his church in every single country on earth. There is no place that can keep our God out. Our God knows how to get everywhere. It's a bad time to be a pagan because God's the hound of heaven and he's going to get all of them. And you know what? It gave me hope for Iran. I've been praying for Iran for 15 years. I think God wants to do a big work. So Astrianism was the root of demonic darkness in Iran. And when God's revealing this root uh, of Zoroastrianism, I said, God, I know you're getting ready to do a big work in Iran. That's why you're revealing the root so we can pray. And you know what? I wanted to, oh, can I say this? It is so cool because literally hundreds and hundreds of Korean Christians have been going in as tourists doing prayer junies right there to Margush because they said we want to do our part to destroy the works of the devil so the church can get planted. You guys, God is bombarding this part of the world. Okay. Do not write that in newsletters. Do not say that anywhere, you guys, because I think God's getting ready uh, for Iraq. Let me, uh, for Iran, to break something loose in Iran. Let me tell you another story about roots. Then I'm going to tell you some DTS stories, okay? Malachi 1.11, my name will be great amongst the nations, from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, none left out. Incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great amongst the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Let me talk to you about Bhutan, this Tibetan Buddhist kingdom between India and Nepal, you guys. I was there in 97 on a prayer journey. Listen, you guys, never despise the days of small beginnings. God takes small rocks, turns them into big mountains. Even when you go on outreach, you may wonder at times, what are we accomplishing? Listen, your presence is bringing the kingdom of God in these countries. While you're there, you can be praying. God will give you opportunities to witness. Well, we were going to Bhutan, very close kingdom. They only leave, let about 3,000 tourists in a year. And it was so cool. I've been praying for 18 years to get into Bhutan. And they like do a lottery to see who can get in. And a rich millionaire friend of mine from Kansas City, uh, he had put in all of our names. He said, I want to go into Bhutan with Fred on a prayer journey. And uh, our names got drawn in the lottery in 1997. And the government said, yes, we'll let you in. And my millionaire friend said, we're going to do this trip first class. You've been waiting 18 years to get in here. He said, I've wanted to go on a prayer journey like this. He said, let's fly first class the whole way. I said, woohoo, I love missions. I want you to be my friend forever. <laughs> you know, let's do more trips together. 
and we went first class. It was so cool, <laughs> you know. And one of the things we were interested in, you guys, was this monastery. It's called the Punaka Zong. It's like it was the headquarters for Tibetan Buddhism. It's where the main monk that's over the whole country lives. And there had been a prophetic word. There were some intercessors praying a few years before, and they had this this vision from God that said, when you're in Bhutan, there will be this wall with a hole in it. And where the hole is, God wants to do a big work and have breakthrough for the kingdom of God. And a year after that prophetic word came in a prayer meeting, there was a prayer team that was in, uh, in Bhutan, and this river that goes around both sides of the Punakazong had flooded and knocked this huge hole right through this 15-foot wall in this, like, 15-year-old monastery. And they said, this is it. God wants to do a big work right here. It's exactly the prophetic word. So when we went there, we were, we were on this trip. We were coming up to the Punakazong. We said, gee, we wonder if maybe that hole is still there. It's been two years. Is the hole still there, this prophetic hole where God wants to have a big breakthrough. As we began to drive by it, you guys, my heart leapt because there was this ramp. You can see this ramp right here going up. There was this big hole right through the wall. It was still there two years later. And I said, this is the prophetic hole. God wants to have a breakthrough for the kingdom in this place. So we got out with our guide. Our guide took us out and we started to walk around. We, they wouldn't let us in because we're Gentiles. You know, only Buddhists can go in. So we said, let's walk. Can we walk around the whole thing? And they said, yeah, you can walk around. So we got around back and uh, I told one of the guys, I told Paul, I said, Paul, here's the deal. I will be the distractor and you will be <laughs> uh, you will be the guy to run into, get into the courtyard, and you know, get inside the wall and plant your feet and claim it for Jesus, you know. So I got our guide and I said, Hey, I got our guide who watches you twenty four hours a day, and I brought him over to the side. You can see me bringing over there. I didn't know how to distract him, so I had to find something. I'm going, Oh, look at that rock! What a cool rock! Tell me about this rock. I've never seen a rock like this. He's like crazy American. So he's trying to say, This is a rock. We have lots of them, millions of them. They're everywhere. You have them in your country. It's a rock, you know. And while I'm distracting him, Paul gets in the courtyard and he just raises his hand and proclaims, you know, Zephaniah 2.11, the Lord will be awesome when he destroys all the gods of the land. God destroyed Tibetan Buddhism in this country. And then it says the nations on every shore will worship everyone in its own land. God, raise up Tibetan Christians. Get missionaries in. Well, a few minutes later, there was a ruckus, and the soldiers were escorting Paul out of the temple, and our guide freaks. He goes, ah, what have you done? You will get me in trouble. You can't do that. Never go in there again. I said, we will never go in there again. <laughs> And so we kept walking down the wall, you guys. And I was saying, there's 400 monks that live here, including like the Pope, the head dude of Tibetan Buddhism in the country. And I was praying, God, it would be so cool to get our feet in there, to just claim it like Paul got into the dark, dark demonic temples. God, you can open the door. God, do it. And we got down to the end, you guys, over here, like down on the end. And there was this ladder going up where they were bringing in the supplies to fix that big hole that had been knocked in there by the flood. And I said to our guide, hey, can we go up there? I said, uh, that's probably the part they're fixing. So there's no monks or anything. Would you let us in, us non-Buddhist Gentiles? Can we go in there? And our guide said, yeah, 
well, sure, why don't we go up in that part of the Punaka Zong? I was like, God, you're so cool. You open doors. And we climbed up, and they took us through it, you guys, where they're doing repairs. And I was saying, God, it would be so cool if we could somehow get in this hole that you prophesied that's just a symbol of where you want to have breakthrough into the demonic darkness. And when it was time to leave, they brought us out, and we started walking towards this ramp that went right down through the hole. And you'll see they posted a soldier there to make sure we didn't go in the temple. They were saying, Paul, you were bad, bad, very bad. Bad, 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 bad. <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> so they had a soldier. And we started to walk down this ramp, you guys. And here we were going through. There I was. I stood. As I went down, I stood in that hall. And that wall is 15 foot thick. And I just stood there for a few minutes saying, God, I know this is only symbolic. I know there's no magic in this. But God, you prophesied where we find this hole. You want to have a breakthrough for the kingdom. God, do it. God, would you strike to the heart of this place. Touch the core of Tibetan Buddhism. You know, and all these leaders. And uh, I stood there. We finally left. We went back to our hotel. And you kind of get locked in your hotel at night. And it's kind of like house arrest, kind of only mild house arrest. And uh, it was dark and at night. And I, I was praying, saying, God, it would be so cool to get in. And God just said, Fred... <laughs> why don't you get a little dangerous? <laughs> so I crawled out the balcony and went over next door to the people and I knocked on their window and they come and they say, I said, let's get dangerous. <laughs> and they said, what are you thinking? I said, let's bribe our guy. Okay, uh-oh, I'm confessing, I bribed. I said, let's bribe our, tech, our van driver to take us back there in the middle of the night so we could pray. Okay, now the Bible says, do not take a bribe. It doesn't say do not give a bribe. It says do not take a bribe. <laughs> okay? So I was scriptural. We want to remind all of you, we do have a phone number if you're in the United States that you can call for free. It's uh, area code 206-350-7001. And you can leave us a voice message on that. Or you can go right to our website, that is at podomatic.com, and that's uh, godnews.podomatic.com. And if you go to that website, you can also record a comment just by clicking on record a comment. And you can also join our mailing list, which we would really like. And you can also send us an email at godnews at podomatic.com. And make sure, please, that you click on the vote for us at godcast1000.com and some of the other podcast search engines that are there. Please vote for us. We appreciate your loyalty to keep coming back to us and keep downloading uh, these episodes. And we trust that they'll be a continued blessing to you.